Okay, I got the indication. Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Borzio. I'm your other host, Daniel Colborn. Today's episode is brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster. It's it kind of works. It kind of works, and it does sort of show you that you're recording a little bit. Sorta. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Zencaster. We kind of yeah. like you so far. Thanks to them. Yep. Uh Daniel. Caleb. We have a bunch of sponsors for this episode. Dude, we have a ton of sponsors. Plus so first of all, the Zencaster sponsorship is sponsored by Chris Morell and his podcast, Overengineered.fm, that he started. Yep. Um, and they recorded with Zencaster. And then he sent me like this cool little video preview thing that they had. I was like, you could have this too. I was like, all right, I'll give Zencaster a shot. It's pretty good. It's, I mean, it's kind of like the version 0.8 of the thing that I would want to build if I was going to build like a podcast podcasting solution. You I mean, know? That's good enough. I'm yeah. Right. I mean, I have built the version 0.0.1. So. That's right. So <laughs> we'll take it. So yeah, we're going to take it. Um, yeah. So thank you, Zencaster. Mm-hmm, thanks to them. Sponsoring the show. Thanks to Chris and overengineer.fm. Hey, quick shout out to Obsidian, our other sponsor. After Obsidian. we did those episodes about Obsidian. Yeah. Um, they, they wanted to sponsor the show. And so like any good habit, Daniel, um, it's completely changed. And now it's basically just bare notes for me, but I still use it a ton. Yep. That's I think that's fine. Yeah. I'm never going to stick to anything that's not just completely unorganized. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like it. And today I was so on plan. I'm looking at like Airbnbs for next year. And I was about to make a list, like a bullet list. And then, you know, do the whole who's uh-huh. with the links and everything. Like first paste in the link, but the URL is like a million characters. So I'm like, all right, uh-huh. I got to condense this into like a markdown link. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try the canvas feature. Mm. Hit new canvas. I literally command V'd into the canvas just to see. And, you've hit, and all you've of a sudden, posted a page. bam, it's like a little card. It has the picture of the Airbnb, the price. <sighs> It's got everything like right there. It's so nice. And you can like link them all and draw mm. stuff around them. And, you know, it's good stuff. So good so stuff. Was fun. So thanks, you. Obsidian. Thanks to Obsidian. Thanks to you for sponsoring the show. Yeah. Yeah, Daniel. Oh, dude. Oh, Daniel, we got to keep talking about Obsidian. So Liveware V3 docs. Mm-hmm. I started the V3 docs. I wow. figured, you know what? I'm at the point where it's not all like done, polished, whatever. But it's close enough that you can start writing some docs. Yeah, like I want to get, I want to, to me, like the the docs are the thing that like, it's like, I I can't think of what it's like, but it's going to be docs-driven development from now on. Like as I I write these docs I think docs-driven development is very good. Yeah, it's going to be like, make sure, like as I come across anything that I don't love in the docs, I'm going to have to change it in the code base. Like that's kind of what I'm forcing myself to do right now. So I'm just on the install page, like just installation. And I'm, you know, wrestling with some things. Reason I said that though, oh, the docs. I was like, you know, what am I going to do on the new app? They can be markdown files and what, you know, arrangement I'm going to use my like custom markdowny doc parser stuff. Like both the LiveWire docs and the Alpine docs are custom written apps that like crawl through my my markdown and parse them with some markdown parser and whatever. Do the whole whiz bang hoodad. And they're totally different systems. Uh, but Alpine, I have the docs folder in the repo so that people can like contribute a feature and the documentation in the same pull request and not yes. like span across repos. So I definitely want to do that for Livewire. 
So I just created a folder in the Livewire repo on locally called Docs, mm-hmm. made it in Obsidian Vault, Ooh. and now I'm just straight up writing Obsidian Markdown files and they're just being saved as markdown files the front matter is all like formatted i can write my own plugins for like any feature i want to support if i wanted to support like notes or like tips you know in the doc yeah. that i'll be like hey did you should do this in liveware yeah, yeah, yeah i could literally i could probably do it with some other plugin but i could write my own javascript plugin can, to... I, paint, can I paint you a ridiculous world that you should not try to build but would be crazy yeah <clears throat> imagine a world where you for every like statement or claim that you make in the docs, you had a way to somehow link that to a test that proved it was true. Oh, uh, interesting. Like what what would be an example of a statement? I don't know, like, like a lofty like marketing you... statement, like we're blazingly fast. <laughs> no, 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 no. But like like if you say that I don't know, if you say um oh. like you can add dot defer to wire mo- or you can add like dot defer 500 milliseconds or uh, not defer debounce dot debounce 500 milliseconds to your uh, wire model to cause right. it to debounce at a rate of 500 milliseconds. And then yeah. you have like a fancy footnote that links to a test where you add like a 500 millisecond debounce to a thing and it debounces by 500 milliseconds. And then the you purpose of this is so that somebody can be like, how would so you use you this know in that, code in no, a test? No no no, 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 no. It's so that you know that the docs are in sync with the behavior. Oh, wait. But then how would I... Hold on, dude. So the test uses the code from the docs? Well, so that... I I would guess I, what I would say is that, like, tests... Either tests link to places in the docs or docs link to places in the test. But basically you would basically say like this test corresponds to this place in the docs. So if the docs change, uh, then like that should, I don't know, maybe it would be like a snapshot test or something type of scenario where like if the docs change, I should like not be able to commit unless I also confirm that the test shouldn't have changed or if the test changes, yeah, I know what I you're sh- getting. You know what like, I'm saying? Like, it'd be yeah, cool there were, if there was like some sort of like manifest that said like this, these docs do correspond to tests that pass. Right. Like every, or yeah, or vice versa that like this test has this many references inside the documentation. Yeah. I don't know. I can't visualize it, Deke, because. Neither can I, but like, it'd be but, crazy. It would be crazy, Daniel. And like, imagine this is like this is the dream of the like BDD cucumber heads, right? Is like that you would like one day like just write your docs in plain English, and then somehow those would become tests, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yep. Uh, um. Yes. So super cool. Feels awesome. And when you create a new Obsidian Vault, it creates a dot Obsidian folder mm-hmm. in the folder. So basically, your Obsidian Vault is just a bunch of Markdown files. However, you organize mm-hmm. them. And are and you then committing a single? The yes. Yeah. I was about to get ignore it, and then I was like, "Hold on a second. Why would I? That folder has everything you need. So if uh-huh. anybody's working on these docs, uh-huh. even if I write a plugin, uh-huh. it will all be included in that folder. Every That's setting." Correct. Every it's crazy. It's actually kind of frustrating because all the customization stuff I did for my normal vault doesn't apply to this new one. But mm. this is totally the way to do it. Obsidian. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. So if you clone this repo and open this folder as a vault in Obsidian, you now have my exact yeah. Obsidian setup, which is so cool. So yeah. I could write like plugins that 
help out or do you know whatever i don't know um and then man they just work so dude i can't but wait I'm for your new course that. make obsidian awesome yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's coming be good yeah uh yeah so that's uh that's obsidian thank you obsidian for sponsoring thank the show you, obsidian uh i i'm in a freelancers group chat um and in the freelancers group chat uh just the other day someone was singing the praises of obsidian oh yeah 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 and i'll say i just canceled my published subscription for obsidian yeah i don't I think, think it's actually good it's fairly useless so yeah. it's like 20 bucks a month and it's a waste of i think money. it's only useful for people who don't know how to put markdown on the internet in any other way yeah <laughs> i agree and it's not like i would do it if it was so good and looked so good and it gave me some i don't know there, there's yeah. a world where i would use it for its convenience but uh it's just not that great so this is, this is not that world that's not that world, but I still pay for the synchronization thing so that yeah, no, my vault is synced between my phone and the thing. So that they're good. That they're very good. Uh huh. So yeah, Daniel. Do you know about drafts? Do you know about In the Obsidian? App drafts? No, it's no. an iOS app. No, you you have an iPhone now, right? Yeah. Forever you were an Android guy, so I, I always know. kind of it's been less think than a year. An Android guy, but there's a. Because I had to download the Disney app. Disney, <laughs> That's when yeah. that came up the other day. Um, I was like, I don't have the Disney app. I'm in Disney World with no app. I got a child. I got a child. I don't got the Disney app. How am I going to make my mobile orders? Honey. So uh, so there's an old school iOS app that like all the real iOS heads know about uh, called Drafts. And it is kind of a hard app to explain until you start using it um it is a place that you can write text and then do stuff with it um so think of all the places in your world where you would like write some text sure so you would write like an email maybe would be some text you would write like a um a, a text message to my mom you might write like a note that goes into your obsidian thing you might write like a a snippet that goes into an existing obsidian note like maybe you have an obsidian note that's like a list of movies that you want to watch okay. and you might like hear about a movie and you're like oh i need to add that to my like movies to watch list yeah so you, that, that's two different things making a new obsidian note and like adding on to an existing obsidian note right um, so there's like a million places where like you might want to like write some text and like have it go somewhere. Yeah. And so drafts is basically like a highly connected, very API'd out the ass text input um, where you can basically just like type markdown into drafts and it will and it gives you like a million different routes to send that text. I don't get it. Why would you do it? Why would any why why would you use it? So one of the really good things about drafts is that it links really really well to uh, Siri shortcuts. Um, okay. So for example, if you you could say, um, "Everyone, cover your phone microphones." You could say, "Hey Siri, add a new movie to my list," and she'd say, "What's the movie?" And you would say, "The Sum of All Fears." Um. And then she would say, okay. And what she's doing behind the scenes is 
putting that text into drafts and then triggering uh-huh. a drafts workflow to then send that text to Obsidian to be added into your movies to watch workflow. Interesting. So in that case, I guess I don't understand what drafts gives you a hook. So into drafts Siri gives you like a really robust, uh, a really robust interface to the shortcuts API yeah. and access to the Obsidian API. So if say the Obsidian mobile app doesn't have like has an API, yeah, uh, like a URL scheme API, which it does, um, but doesn't have like robust integration with Siri shortcuts or something, yeah. then Drafts is like designed to be like the most integrated with everything app that there is. So you could build like a really complex Siri shortcut that like uses drafts a million different ways. It's pretty then, interesting. And then like pipe that into anywhere. Do like I said, drafts? it's hard to explain why people use it until you use it. Um, I mean, what seems to me to be somewhat useful is telling Siri to put something in an Obsidian doc. So, yeah, but like I, I think the point of drafts is that like sometimes you you need to start writing text, but you need to, you don't exactly know what it's for yet. Yeah, you're like, okay, I'm writing this down. Um, but I don't know, like, does this go into an existing thing? Is this a new thing? Is this something I need to send to someone? Like, say we're talking on a client call, right? Say I'm a client, you're a client, so you're a client and I'm Deke. Um, okay. And like, we're talking on a call and like, you're sort of outlining a new feature and I'm like writing down the things you're saying, right? Yeah. And like, eventually... So I want a copy of that in my Obsidian notes. I want you to have a copy of what I wrote down so that you know what I think I'm doing. Sure. Um, and then, you know, maybe I also like need to send a copy to a coworker. Intent. Um, so Obsi- drafts, like I could write, type it in drafts and then I could dispatch it to all three of those places from drafts. Interesting. But drafts is an iOS thing. Drafts is an iOS so you, app. You, I, there is a drafts for Mac as well. Okay. I don't use it on the Mac though, weirdly. Interesting. So you're like writing notes with your thumbs? Yeah, well, like that's it's just for like if I want to write a note abroad. Mm-hmm. Like drafts is like a really easy UI for like typing, and then I can mm-hmm. like dispatch it to wherever it needs to go. Hmm. It's in uh, maybe I could see it being useful for like typing something out and then texting some people but emailing others or something or like well, have you ever I don't had know. to like I don't type see out, why. have you ever had to type out a text message that's like long and complicated sure right you don't want to do that in the little text input so in then the messages shows dot 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 and then you're like constantly like one fuck up away from sending a half built really long complicated sms message right um yeah it's true you would think i would just open notes and then write it and then paste it Right. So drafts is for writing drafts, right? So it's like the first time you start typing something before it goes to the place where it's eventually going to go, whether that be a text message or an email or whatever. It's like, it's just like a scratch pad for text. Right. Like notes would be. Like notes would be, but like, just saves you from having notes. It's like you have to like select all, copy, go over to the place, paste it. Whereas here you just like, you might have a button that's just like new SMS. Yeah. You know. Interesting. Yeah. It sounds very customizable. Mildly useful, Daniel. Mm -hmm. But maybe when you use it, you start using it all the time and it's great. Yeah. Well, it can replace like 
I guess one of the way one of the things about it is it can replace a lot of apps on your home screen, right? Yeah. So like it can be your interface to lots of different apps. I see. Like a Google search, you might just start in drafts and then I hit. probably wouldn't do a Google search, but yeah, something like, like say I was like, oh, I need to like make a shared Google Doc. Yeah. Like Yeah, I guess I'm just not doing a lot of writing on my phone. I'm not doing yeah. a lot of thumbing. I'm I'm texting people occasionally. And it's not a lot more than that. Sure. So that Fair might enough. be a difference. Fair enough. If I was doing a lot of writing on my phone, starting a Google Doc, starting an email, could work. Do you type a lot on your phone? I, I really hate typing on my phone. I think I capture a lot on my phone. I wouldn't say I like write on my phone, but I capture yeah. on my phone. Yeah. Hmm. I like um, Hannah types faster than me. And she's, which I think... Oh, calendar events. That's another thing I create from drafts. Okay. So like uh there's like a thing like a weekly standing thing that i go to and i have to occasionally like recruit someone to speak at it yeah right and uh so if it's like my month to be in charge of recruiting someone to speak at the weekly standing thing um that means i'm going around like asking people if they'll speak at the weekly standing thing right yeah and then when when they say yes i now need to send them like the time and the address and all of this other stuff and create a calendar invite for myself so that I know that I lock someone down for that week and ideally send them a calendar invite. So they also have it. Right. Yeah. And so I have a drafts thing where I can literally just like put in their name and email address and like press send. And then it hits a shortcut that generates an SMS to them. And if I have their email address also generates like a uh, calendar Calendar. invite. So it's stuff like that where it's like, oh, this is like a really common thing that I want to capture a tiny amount of information and have it generate a large amount of text that gets sent in a couple different directions. Because there's a little like workflows. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, drafts. It's cool. All right, drafts. And Play it's not it. a first party Mac app. Uh, it is. It is. Like yeah. Mac owns this thing. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, not first party. It is a second party. <laughs> What's the Mac difference between app? second and third party third in this party. case? It's a third party MacUp. Or fourth party? Yeah, getdrafts.com. Their subtext, their subtitle is where text starts. Okay. Yeah. That seems to describe it pretty well. You know, if I'm a describing man. Um Daniel. Yes. I have I have a question for you. Yes. As a beginning topic. Let's go. I need to I signed up for JS Nation Live. Or mm-hmm. not live, whatever. JavaScript Nation Live. JavaScript Nation. You guys might conference. be familiar with this. This is the largest web conference in the world. Yes. It actually... We, did we talk about this on the show recently? No, we talked about it last year when you did it. Yeah, like and two I years it was ago. like a total scam. Yeah. Well, it turns exactly. out this thing's... We they invited about how me it was to, a scam. They invited me to the Amsterdam show. and we're going to pay for me to go to Amsterdam. And I was like, Hamsterdam? yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. Let's do it. Fun, you know? And then... And kind of thinking that it's a like a over overly commercialized conference, like it's more um, heat than light or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's uh, a, that's I'm the wrong. Phrase. And it's like it was a really good event that they turned live and just wasn't amazing or for whatever reason. But it's uh, there's a ton of people speaking there that are like 
we i'm sure we've talked about this but like big heads west boss ryan carniato a bunch of like the dude who did um the whole js nation will be there live. the web pack like the dude who did the web pack yeah the guy who did the web pack the guy who did the web pack the guy who did like honestly they of... should put the guy who did the web pack on trial at the hague i don't know if it's the guy who did the web pack because who's the guy who did the web pack I don't he's know, like a dude he should he's be a on specific trial dude hague. that we like watched at some conferences a couple times oh at laricon yeah decided sean, that we weren't sean... well, i don't want to he might listen to the show he doesn't um, i know I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he was kind of a, a schneckeloins you know kind of guy he, he was not nice um anyway the other guy who made webpack i think <laughs> babble nice or something i don't the know nice he's really one. smart javascript dudes anyway so they invited me not thinking you know yeah. what they were doing when they did that and they were like you know submit your your talk and i was like okay sure so i gave them a title and a description and then they came back a while in and were like um I just want to make sure this is different than the one you gave and they referenced my other talk. And I was like, oh, dude, I totally forgot what my topic even was. I did like an Alpine 101 last uh-huh. time, like super 101, more than I've ever done. Yeah. And this time I, I didn't say 101. I didn't intend to do that. I was going to do like a, let me show you how you can like accomplish um, sort of complex things very simply, like animating height or triggering something when something like with X intersect, like things like that, mm-hmm. whatever. It's going to kind of show maybe like Alpine 102. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, I just want to make sure that this is different, you know. And I was, they were kind of pushing back on on the level of talk it was, I think. And yeah. so I came like, back and I was like, talk. Well, first it's a different talk, so if that's uh-huh. good enough, then that's fine. Otherwise, do you want me to do a more deep? Like, what's the audience? Like, I don't even know the audience. Do you mm-hmm. want me to do a deeper JavaScripty? Like, are you doing something on like proxies and how you use them in Alpine? So this is the question. They came back and said, like, Yeah, we would like something that would appeal to everybody, not just people who would even use alpine um yes. like you know and so part of me is excited hey, because Lip, you have been d- 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 dying to talk about javascript internal or like alpine deep javascript bullshit forever so that's half of me feels you that keep way. trying to do it on our podcast it's true <laughs> a part of me feels that way daniel another part of me feels i feel three things i'll say i'll start we'll start All worse we'll start bad middle good bad the imposter syndrome of like what could i say just i feel like i feel definitely the worst javascript developer on this panel sure almost positive it seems unlikely but okay i do feel it though it's funny like it's wild but you're probably not i'm probably not the worst you know a lot about javascript (laughs) honestly though i don't know i though the only thing preventing me from feeling like the worst javascript developer is on syntax they didn't know what q microtask was and i told them and i, I already bragged about that on the show mm-hmm. that was like one moment of like i know something well and caleb like you have like all this weird deep knowledge about like the fastest ways to loop a dom and all this other random shit that like no one else in their right mind has well that's the thing i feel like everybody else at this table would have and have in multiples you know Whatever. I think you're I'm, wrong. Only a framework maintainer will have right, it. and there's a lot of framework maintainers. All right, but like that's you fine. know, and there's I, a lot I, I of listeners who like aren't framework. Maintainers. I'm an imposter framework maintainer because it just feels like everybody in the room knows how every JavaScript framework works in and out, and like could write a suspense API for like a virtual DOM library, and I'm like. You know, I know. Okay, well, I appreciate the anti-imposter, but so it's funny because I haven't felt this way in a long time. But I definitely feel imposter syndrome. So I feel like the worst JavaScript dude there, 
And then do you want me to tell you you suck? Like, what do you want me to say here? No, I mean, I was prompting you to tell me I don't suck. I I couldn't tell. Um, You you seem to be pushing back on me telling you you didn't suck. Well, just to get you to do that harder, I wasn't satisfied with (laughs) the level of encouragement you were giving me. You were giving me mixed signals. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm sorry for doing that. This is the bad, right? This is the bad of the bad middle good. So that was bad. Okay. That's the bad. So then on middle, I won't middle, I won't react at all. And then on good, I'll tell you you suck. Dude, I feel like I had bad middle bad. Now I forgot. But so a part of me just feels impostery. Yeah. Another part of me just feels like the audience doesn't care or or I don't know what to say. Like I don't have a clean path. Like what would I say? That's the biggest thing. And then the good part of me feels like, ooh, this is my opportunity to talk about something I actually want to talk about, not just how to use Alpine or Livewire, you mm-hmm. know? So this is an opportunity to do something not just for the Laravel audience, and that's enticing to me. I don't know what to talk about, though, Daniel. You want me to tell you? Yes. Okay. I want you to... Now, excuse my French. I want you to grab hold of your fucking nuts, Caleb. Okay. And I want you to Got go in, in hand, each and, in each hand. And talk about why Shadow Doms are not the answer for you. Dude. I can't because I'm way not qualified to give that talk. Caleb, you <laughs> and to are become qualified, qualified to give Caleb, that talk would take so much work. You know what, how you would become qualified to give that talk? You would make a popular JavaScript framework that doesn't use a shadow DOM. None of the you mean a virtual In, DOM? Sorry, a virtual DOM. Not okay, a I was just going to say. So sorry, I always mix up those two phrases. That's very funny because I'm like, dude, literally the people who like wrote the shadow dom implementation in chrome will be there like right not shadow dom virtual dom you want to go i yeah. want you to go in there and say here's why alpine doesn't use a virtual dom Ooh. and like i here's, can't that's here's what the pros and cons. will do here's the pros He'll, and cons of like using versus not using a virtual dom i don't want to get in that fray i don't i want you to and grab tell you your why phone. Ryan Carniot, I didn't hear you. You skitzed out. What did you say? That made I, said, you I want you to grab hold of your fucking nuts and give the talk. Yeah, dude. I don't want to. I think so. Alpine is not nearly as performant as these other libraries, either virtual DOM or non virtual DOM, if you use it in the way they talk about these. That's things, what I want you. Know? To, that's literally what I want the talk to be. What? That like. Alpine's not, worse for this and better for this. Yeah. So here's the thing Ryan Carniato, creator of Solid. His talk, I'm almost positive, will be all about... I should check and see if he's submitted it yet. But I imagine it'll be all about fine-grained reactivity and direct rendering, like um, fine-grained reactive rendering, which is what Alpine does, mm-hmm. instead of virtual DOMs. Mm-hmm. And when you hear this guy talk about it, like here's somebody who actually has he's taken like fully that concept. This guy. He is fully this guy. He's been talking about it for years and years. And he's got like the most you know ramping up javascript framework in the javascript uh survey and he's got the number two spot behind vanilla javascript in the javascript framework performance benchmarks um so anyway he's the guy to talk about that i'm not the guy to talk about that okay here Personally. is here's another topic that you could talk I, about i would be comfortable doing this would be a version of that i'd be comfortable doing which was like how to write a javascript developer if you're a dumb developer like me which would mm-hmm. be like, yeah. all right, well, you we have to like come out on the DOM. You so have to come out and like shoot yourself in the foot right in the beginning. Yeah. But cool. even that, that would be much more like version one and two of Alpine. This version of Alpine is a little less like, you know, 
it a, would a dumb be, developer couldn't write this. Yeah, you would ha- you'd have to be a dumb developer who wrote a a bad version a, like you'd have two to be years. A dumber ago. developer than me, actually. Yes, it's true. You would have to be a dumber developer than me. Um, um, I don't know, man. What am I going to freaking write about? Here, here's another. Here's another topic which I feel like you might not want to talk about, but I think would increase your number on the state of js survey okay so like there's pros and cons i think you're selling your soul a little bit but i think you are also going to boost the numbers okay um you should write about how to write a large alpine application with a build system and typescript (laughs) yeah that would be funny the problem with it is it doesn't apply to non-alpine people and that's mostly what they're looking for that would be funny though. Yeah, because like the, I think that is like something that's not documented, yeah. basically, right? It's like you have the affordances there because people are doing it. Yeah, but like I've never done it. You, so. You've never done it, and like you, the docs would make you think that that is not a way that you can write an yeah, Alpine yeah. app. It's true. It would or be that interesting. You, it's to not do. a way you should write an Alpine app. It'd be dangerous because then I'd probably like be inspired and change alpine in some way to support that style more (laughs) yeah something Um, anyway that'd be a really interesting here's i think what i want to write about what do you think can i feel better about this one because it's not i'm so impostery on anything browser performance for sure framework performance that stuff scares the crap out of me yeah you don't want to go memory leaky do a a dick measuring contest about it no i will get totally out measured i will get Uh out swung 10 out of 10 times um at least that's the way I feel. But what I could do is just cool JavaScript stuff that I like about the language itself, like abusing JavaScript to get rid of conditionals, fun refactorings, basically refactoring oh, out yeah, conditionals. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's cool. the stuff I love to do. And I do keep notes on those fun refactorings and how um, they allow me to do fun stuff. And I you think could I also would just have do a hardcore proxy talk. Again, I feel like I'm not the guy to do that. I'm totally okay. Not sorry, the guy not to do hardcore. That. Do a softcore proxy talk then. Right. Do a like. <laughs> here's five places that you, a user land, normal programmer who writes web applications, could be using proxies, but you aren't. Thing is, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a, a good idea. <laughs> I think, and I haven't written a web application in 20 years, <laughs> but I don't think that people should really be using proxies in in user i don't know like they yeah. could but it's it is more it's more work than you want it to be like yeah. it's and it's more confusing and i wouldn't advise people to use proxies sure. i think fun stuff is like fun stuff to me is wild refactorings to refactor yeah. out like big conditionals and stuff yeah. big time fun. weird closure refactoring stuff uh-huh maybe some memoization stuff like that uh-huh. um but even stuff like how JavaScript executes, like um, things that that just seemed nebulous before that when you understand it's very simple is like JavaScript executes line by line. And basically understanding JavaScript's execution in terms of like line by line or queue microtask or set timeout and when the, the DOM paints is so useful and it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has helped me a ton in my javascript writing just knowing you should that. do that 
Um, I but a part of me is like that's not a big enough talk. But I think I have two two talks here. I think it it's could like, be the talk. You think so? You just call it like the timeline or whatever. how JavaScript runs for dummies like me. Um, that would kind of be, be kind of funny for dummies. You could like call it schmorter of schmoperations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how JavaScript runs for dummies? I think is talk idea number one. Talk idea number two would be cool refactorings basically yeah yeah okay i wish there was a way to mush them i saw jeffrey tweeted like when he submits talks for laricon did you see his tweet he's like when i submit talks for laricon i do like eight cool things talks i don't Uh try to come up with a theme yeah because i find that the talk is like worse off i just try to come up with like eight cool things yeah and then that jazz me up and then pitch them um because those are the talks he loves the most. And I love his talks. I love when he does those cool things talks. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that... But I think it takes balls to do that. And I, I think I just need to hear from more people that that's like a good talk format and that's better. Like you're better off with just a like, here's a handful of cool things talk. I don't think that that's better. You don't think it's better? I don't think it's better as a listener. Really? What's your favorite kind of talk? My favorite kind of talk is embrace the back end or cruddy okay. by design. Like um kind of big pitch talks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want I want you to uh I want you to take something that's like a feeling or a vibe that you have that then like influences the way that you write web applications and like condense it down to a concept that you can communicate and then make an argument for it. Yeah. Yep. That is the best. That's the it's thing the I best. like the most. Yeah. Cause then like I can't even explain the number of times that I have referenced either Embrace the Backend or Cruddy by Design. Like the talk itself is like a stand in for the concept. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Like and so like when I like Cruddy by Design is like when I'm like going into a client and like looking at their controllers and they've got like 19 methods on their posts controller or whatever. Yep. I'm like, have you ever seen the Adam Wav and cruddy by design talk, you know? And like, here's kind of like a way that we could like restructure that, you know? Yeah. And then like, once they've seen it, like once I go make them watch it now for the rest of the six months that I'm working on their project, I can say, we could make this one a little more cruddy by design and they know what I'm talking about because that talk is a stand in for the concept, you know? Yep. Yep. So like, if you want to like, like I would say like build your body of work here. Don't just like shit out some hot fire tweets. Yep. Um, okay. I got another idea when you were saying that as like something that could be, I think a talk, I'm not I'm not sure this is the place to do it. Mm-hmm. But this thing that I've tried to communicate and I think embrace the back end is the closest to it. The thing I'm trying to communicate that like every app needs to send requests and render HTML into a browser uh-huh. and like all these full stack, you know, paradigms they all do the same thing all the same things have to be done. It's just who does what on the front end and back end. Uh-huh that's basically the biggest distinction is like a lot of these are just, is this work being done on the front end or the back end? And there's trade-offs all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, 
that's a you know ajax requests trade-offs i don't know that's another potential but those are the things where i i think that's a very hot topic right now yeah like i think and i don't want to step into that heat oh i don't mean like hot as in dangerous i mean hot as in okay. like people care about the concept right now because of the next js server components and remix and like all of this like server rendered html over like trpc sort of yep. like javascript backend framework stuff yeah yep it's that one's a little intimidating to me because of all the other reasons that like i've talked about those t- types of things being intimidating to me because i'm going to be saying something and some react you know maintainer will be like that was inaccurate. You know, I just don't want to start. I think there's insane value though, Caleb, to you going into JavaScript land and giving a principles talk that doesn't use their buzzwords. Right. You know, like I think like giving a talk about a concept or a principle and not using like JavaScript buzzwords, Mm -hmm. uh, is like, don't say server rendered components. Don't say TRPC, you know, don't say whatever, like just talk about like someone has to render the HTML. Either you, the browser can render the HTML, in which case here's what happens. This is good. This is bad. This is good. This is bad. Or the server can render the HTML, in which case this is what happens. This is good. This is bad. This is good. This is bad. Right. And like, Here's a couple of different big web apps that do these things differently. Let's look at GitHub. All right, I'm going to create a new issue and I'm going to get back a big pile of HTML. Mm-hmm. That's good. Why is GitHub able to do this, right? Versus like, here's another web application where like I do this thing and like, here's why it wouldn't be as smart for them to just like send me a dump of HTML, you know? Yeah. This one feels, you know, Richard Harris is, he's the Svelte guy, his, um, the virtual Dom is pure overhead, uh, article or talk. I think it's a talk. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't seen it, but he's done some really kind of like, uh, these kinds of talks that we're talking about, these seminal talks. And that's, that's one where he kind of breaks down in in this vein, um, like from whatever. All I'm saying about that is that me attempting to talk like this, I feel like I'm not prepared enough and I don't want to spend the time to become prepared enough. So I think as I'm talking through it... Is there a version it, of Embrace the Backend for the JavaScript community? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I like, think is there a backend agnostic Embrace the Backend talk? Right. It's possible. The interesting thing about that is like times have changed a little bit where the norm I actually don't know the norm. I think the norm I, is shifting towards the back end. Exactly. So yeah. the, the talk is not as relevant because the, the there's setup not as many hearts and minds to change, yeah. Is already kind of archaic. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Um yeah. But I would love to do some kind of talk extolling the virtues of simplicity that we've have from PHP old school land and all that stuff. And what like, if, okay, here's a reminding here's people a, that websites don't have to be written in react. Yeah. Here's a title for you. Here's a title. Okay. In defense of sprinkles. In defense of sprinkles. Yeah. In defense of sprinkles. Right. 
And so you basically just like make the case of like, here's a pretty normal web app with like a, a pretty good amount of like shit going on and it doesn't need to be a SPA. And this is the problem with that. It does need to have a backend framework that's good. Yeah. And these people don't have one. Yeah, that's the issue. So I could go up there and give all these talks and say Rails or Laravel or Django, and I imagine a good chunk of them will be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, there's no common language of like really powerful backend. You know, it's it's a different world. It's much worse. <laughs> yeah. An interesting talk Dude, would is be there like, a talk, this is, is what backend languages like, do. Check it out. It's so simple oh my God, and cool. That would be sick. <laughs> Yeah. You should do a talk that's like, hey, JavaScript developer, your next language should not be Rust. Funny. It should be PHP. It should be PHP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Python or whatever the fuck. Don't don't let it be Python though. Come on. Are we serious? I, 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 dude, I can't even write Python. That's what I'm saying, dude. It, I, it wouldn't be Python. I got so many problems with Python. Do you, Dig? I, I only have really one problem with Python. Okay. White space shouldn't mean anything. White space is white space. What are we talking about? We're that's, talking about practice. That's a We're problem. not talking about the game. We're talking about practice. Not the game. You're saying white space is practice? White space. White space is white space. We're talking about white space. Not the code. Yeah. We're talking about white space. White space. Yeah. You're saying uh, sorry, I was doing an Alan Iverson joke. Okay. I don't know that, I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alan Iverson once got in trouble for not going to practice. And there was an interview at a press conference he did. And some reporter asked this kind of like judgy question about why he wasn't at practice. And he was like far and away the best player on the team at the time. Yeah. Um, And he just for like five minutes said, we're talking about practice, not the game, not the game that we get paid to play, not the game that we give our hearts and souls to. We're talking about practice practice yep. we're talking about practice <laughs> he just funny. did that for like five minutes it was funny yep anyway we're talking hmm. about white space we're talking about white space not the code yeah not you the know code what? that we give our hearts and souls to not the code that we we get paid to write we're talking about I, white space python was the first language i ever like tried to learn and so i probably have a bias there so there's some level of like it's fine um, but I haven't written it in so long and don't write it like on the regular that I have no opinion. But I, I, I could see having an opinion. Isn't one of the like visual basics or something? Don't they don't they do the white space thing? I'm sure they do. I don't know. I haven't written a visual basic since I was 14 years old, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I schmeckle that. I schmeckle that. Yeah. It, it's nice to... Well, I don't know. I can't, I can't even talk about it because I'm so freaking no Python. Here's the thing. I'm real. I'm like a curly brace language guy is the thing about me. Yeah. You're I a want a language like I want C family language dude. C family language dude. Like give me function name parentheses arguments yeah. separated by commas. Give me if parentheses curly braces. Like, after seeing after seeing my transformation with arrow functions, I now have space for the idea i love arrow functions i know that i that i could like actually become comfortable with some of those bonkers syntaxes like ruby yeah. um like 
Ruby implicit Ruby. returns, like yeah. final statement returns and stuff, like things like that 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 just seems so weird and freeform that I wouldn't be able to like recognize it as a concrete concept in my brain when I'm thinking through how this program works. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I, I could probably get that pretty intuitively if I spent some time with it. Yeah. But there's there's some like uh what what is Ruby's like what language has like def for defining Python, Python def? Yeah. I think def's dumb. Yeah. And uh I think bash is like reversing like for and if into like phi and raf or whatever. Yeah. Is extremely dumb. <laughs> so there's some things that are dumb, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Daniel, here's one. Here's a language feature I want PHP to have. My and only I'm, complaint with Python is the white space. Okay. To be clear. Although def is also dumb. Like, come on. It's Daniel, a function. Let's call it a function. This is what PHP needs. Uh-huh. That a ton of other languages have. Uh, I can make a list a mile long. Multiple of the same method with different parameters in a class. Oh, method overloading. Method overloading. Yes. I think it would be really cool. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. I'd love it. Yeah. We should get that. <laughs> we should get that for sure, dude. We should well, definitely like all, get that. All of that sort of like matching based yeah. stuff. This beauty. It's so sick. And like anything that's like this is the this is the real schkaboink of the whole thing. Schkaboink me doink. If the types were more typescripty. Yeah. Right? Like if you could just sort of define types that weren't objects, they were just types. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like if I could if I could define a type that was like a certain shape of associative array. Yeah. Um that would be so sick. Yeah. Um anyway, so if the types were more typey, and we could do more like type-based recognition stuff. Yeah. Where we said like, okay, well, here's a method overload that takes this type. And here's a method overload that takes this other type. Yeah. And so I'm just going to call this method and pass in a thing. And I know. if it's this type, then do this. And if it's this other yeah. type, then do that. Like, that would be sick. And like, it all feels like kind of, there's also some like wild shit that's kind of like the opposite of like, well, like the way that... uh that sort of like destructuring assignment array stuff works yeah. in PHP. Like, well, yeah, that stuff, that concept, like other languages do that, like big time. Right. Like JavaScript like, destructuring is a lot more powerful than JavaScript destructuring is better, but like other languages do, do it, it like even better. Heady. Yeah. Like really? big time. Like I remember even I when we were it. learning crystal for that stupid, oh, such a beautiful, powerful thing. Does rust have crazy destructuring stuff? I'm sure it does. But if I don't it doesn't, know. I would be surprised why anybody would ever want to learn it. It better have the gnarliest, the gnarliest destructuring just, dude. Destructuring given like a crazy, powerful destructuring syntax. You could do so much damage. Yeah, dude. It's such a beautiful, powerful yeah. thing. And yeah. PHP is good but it comes up dry so much There's and so the combination like, of like Ugh. the combination of like type based recognition for method overloading yeah and destructuring okay yeah you if, if you doing... have those two things like yeah you're on some absolute fuck shit like you could yeah. do crazy shit. oh elm <laughs> dude when i look when i looked or like elixir and elm all the like functional languages looping with well they with just do like absolute wild recur- shit where yeah. like you can do yeah, you can do insane like recursion like, that exits because the parameters have changed in the in the recurse in the recurse, and then mm-hmm. like it ends the recursion because it just matches a new method of the same name. Yeah, so you can't even like really tell by looking at it 
like when the recursion stops. It's some language that doesn't have a for loop. I forget. One of those functional languages doesn't have a for loop. It might I be Elm. I like, remember Logan. Do, do, do you remember Logan gave loops? that lunch and learn at Titan about Elm? I do. That yeah. shit blew my mind. That is pretty interesting. The like Elm. I, I don't know. I don't think there's a ton of love for like obviously it's not made it like big time or whatever. The functional languages have kind of died off of late. Yeah, it's not as much of everyone it was wants like to write Rust. No one wants to write Haskell right. Everyone anymore. wants to write Rust, which is funny. But Elm um is like the the promise of like zero runtime errors possible, yeah. which yeah. is so cool. It's like you, you know so, you literally can't have a runtime error. It's impossible. So cool. Which I is mean, pretty Rust dope. is kind of like that too. But yeah, I, I really sh- you know, we really should write some Rust Daniel. <laughs> Let's talk about it for another year. Yeah. And then uh we just dude, I just need so you know, Adam's doing something with Rust with Tailwind. They're probably writing some Tailwind compiler in Rust, so it's blazing fast. Mm-hmm. Blazing well, Caleb, fast. you and I I think are traditionally late to things. For sure. You and I are show up late guys. Definitely. Yeah. So let's show up late to Rust. Yeah, let's show up late to Rust. Uh, I'll write something. I need to have like something I actually need to do. I can't just do some toy around thing. That's not going to stick. Yeah. Um, Daniel, mm-hmm. toy around thing, stick. Oh, briefly, before we get to the topic that we came here for, Daniel. Sure. Briefly, we talked about attributes on the last episode. Oh, we did. And that episode which, just went out. Right. And can we release this episode like today? Or yeah. Like, right. Skippy. Because, yeah. So when you're listening to this episode, the previous one that came out a day ago was re- was recorded like two weeks ago or something or a yep. week. I don't know. It was a while ago. It was a while ago. And we were all hot and heavy on PHP attributes. And since then, we have come so long and I've rewritten a bunch of V3 back end. To use and, attributes? Yeah. And it's and is so it cool? sick. Hell give yeah. you the quick little toints about it. Hell okay. yeah. Give me the toints, dude. So there's a new abstraction in V3 called uh-huh. Component Hooks. Uh-huh. It's a class you extend component hook. Okay? Yep. You can now write methods in it. Like there's a you can write a dehydrate method, a hydrate method, um, an update method, uh, a call method. You know, all these hooks, these lifecycle hooks. It's just purely lifecycle hooks. It's a class that you just put lifecycle hooks in it. And you you can register it globally so that it applies to all requests to every component. Okay. Or you can add it to a specific component by just putting it as an attribute above that component. Similarly, yes. properties, there's property hooks. Instead of extending component hook, you can extend property hooks. And you have the same hooks, except like there's an update hook that only gets called when you're updating that property. So, for example, the locked um, locked properties feature for V3, like to prevent public properties from being mutated in with mm-hmm. wire model that just throws exceptions like you can't mutate this it's locked mm-hmm. so this is an attribute it's literally like class locked pro- class locked extends property hook inside the class there's one method update and then in that method it just says throw new exception can't mm-hmm. update this property that's it that's the entire source of the feature and now you can literally just add that as an attribute to a property, just literally write in locked. And now like Livewire knows that your component has an attribute called locked, that it's a property hook. It will register all those lifecycle hooks for you and run them all as they need to be run. So I've refactored all of the features in V3 to this component hook, property hook syntax. Um, so now like all of Livewire source is basically attributable things. It's um, so sick. Yeah. So it basically, I realized like, oh, I don't, I'm not trying to create some wackadoo attribute, powerful attribute thing. What I'm trying to do is create a really good just class abstraction in Livewire 
and classes can be added as attributes. And then yep. an attribute is the way you apply that thing to this specific thing, it, mm-hmm. you know, which kind of seems obvious, but like mm-hmm. these hooks, they don't need to be attributes. They don't have to have that attribute annotation at all. They can just be classes in there. It's just a, it's just a useful API on its own. It's the equivalent of like you have a middleware file, you know, in your Laravel app. Yep. You just add it as an attribute to a to a controller method and now it's only applied to that controller method. Yep. It's the same thing. It's like do the abstract get, get the get the um APIs or abstractions whatever that you want down and then make them attributable basically. Mm-hmm. Uh so anyway. That is I my stoints on that Daniel, but I've gone to hell and back and I would uh, love to see some of I'm this better. code. Yeah. Like I want to see uh I want because like the thing with attributes, and I think we're all clear on this, right? Is like they look weird. They look slightly weird at times, yeah. But I think we'd all get used to them if we used them a lot, right? Right. I'm getting more used to them, and And so the thing is, like, look of them. I want to see. I want you to write a complicated LiveWire component, yeah, with attributes, and I just want to see what that component looks like. Yeah, I know. What's it look like? Yeah, it, you know, I've got a complicated live like so If you want to rewrite it with attributes, like, like I, I'm going around to my friends, like C Sharp and Java, and they all have they're called annotations in Java, I think, and attributes in C Sharp. I'm not sure, um, but th- they use this stuff on the regular. Like, th- this is how you define what URL a controller, yeah, yeah, yeah. is attached to is with these annotations. We talked about that because we talked about why they're ugly because we've seen that. But I was like trying to pull my buds of like, do you like this or not like this? And it's there. Everybody's just like, no, it's, you know, whatever. That's how it's done. Yeah. It's fine. Like, it's great. It's fine. But my issue with it has and is still that you can't follow the code. You know, it's like, wait, what calls hydrate? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What it's knows not how to use something about this attribute? Like that, there's yeah. no line. People say, people say like we that. have a lot of magic going on, but then they're out here just using attributes willy-nilly. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk magic? <sighs> yeah. But, but the people that I talked to are admittedly like lesser humans than me. Um, <laughs> no, they're, they're just not as advanced maybe of developers. Sorry if you're listening to this. Yeah. But they're more junior-ish developers. Brock, what the hell, Brock? <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even talk to Brock about Brock's been in Africa for a month. Um, uh, yeah, talking to my buds about this, and they, I'm like, but what? You can't follow. Like, what about? They're, they're, they don't source dive. You know, yeah, they're not source right, diving right, right. their framework. They're reading the documentation and they're using syntax, and then the compiler is working or not. So it's like, to them, it's no sweat. So to me, it might be a bit more of a sweat because of the lack of source dive ability. Do people but, who don't source dive are missing so much of life. I, I didn't source dive like around the time we started this podcast or was just getting into it. You know? Yeah, I was just getting into it too. Which is so funny, dude. We were just little Well, I just babies. remember like Matt hopped on a call with me one time and was like, did you source dive it? And I was like, no. Yeah. And he was like, well, what the hell, dude? Like, let's source dive it. And so right. we sourced dove it. And I was like, oh, I'm always going to source dive it now. Yeah. It's only source dive. It's never documentation. Only source dive. I, yeah. Funny. There's only a few documentation pages that matter. That is so funny. There was a time available when source diving methods, available was a validation hot tippy, yeah. right, where source diving was a hot tippy topic on this show. Mm-hmm. It was like, dude, the power of source diving. Uh-huh. And now it's just being a developer, you know? Well, I don't know that that's necessarily Crazy. true outside of our little realm. What do you mean? That people source dive? 
Yeah, I don't know that like people sure. who didn't come through the thresher of Titan source dive as much as we do. I feel like like if I'm using React, I'm not source diving that. I'm not getting anything useful out of that source dive. Even yeah. having source dove it, like and yeah. view, the same thing. I'm not going to come with something useful from that. So well, maybe you know why? You know why? It's because JavaScript is so crazy, and like you're going to get sent to like a TypeScript .d file. And well, that is true. There's source that. diving JavaScript is impossible. They that make it true. so unnecessarily it hard. Difficult. It is super difficult. There, there is no lines to follow. I've sourced of the entire Dude. Solana Web three right? Because they're just methods. You have to because there's no docs, so you have to. Right? Yeah, yeah. You have and to like, source it. And it sucks. And it sucks. It dick, suck. dude. It's not it good. It is really bad. Um, it's very true. But that, like, there is something there that if you're in like a single file view component, what are you going to source dive to? Yeah, what, where are you, are you going? Source dive data. You have like nothing data. to go to definition on. And yeah. that is something, there is something refreshingly concrete and straightforward about PHP and similar I, languages. I've sourced Alpine. Yeah. A lot. With success. Here and there. <laughs> Varying you levels. Know? I mean, there's yeah. certainly a good amount of indirection. And if we want to talk about freaking being bad boys, Liveware V3 is like going to be the least source diveable code base ever. Like I was, oh, I wanted boy. to... Source dive uh, <laughs> persist. Yeah. And that, that was hard. It's, yeah. But it was then hard you to learn, figure out where it once went. You learn the, you know, like there are some things like that in Laravel that are sort of difficult, like a facade yeah. and understanding how to get yeah, to yeah, its yeah. facade root and things. Like there's things that are kind of difficult to source dive that you just end up learning, you know, like yeah, build, yeah. eloquent builder, normal, you know, builder, like all that kind of stuff. Um, with Alpine, like there's a folder called Magics. And a folder called directives. Yep. And each file is named after the thing. So once you know that, you go like magics persist. Oh, there's all the source relating to persistence mm-hmm, in one mm-hmm, file. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a sense, like it's crazy source diveable. And in Live V3, in a sense, it is so source diveable because every feature has its own file or folder, but it's like it's so isolated. But that core of isolation, the reason that I'm able to do that is because I have an event system at the core that allows me to hook into the things I need. Yep. So having that event system, though, adds that. It's like it's all really like good and dandy until events are involved. And then it's this like little box of it feels to me like like a black hole or a nucleus or some crazy little thing where there's just like atoms bouncing and whizzing off each other. And you're never going to like be able to look at it and go... Oh, I'm going to follow like this event to these handlers. You know, you're never going to source dive that way. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be more like find and replace source dive, which is not mm-hmm. as fun. So sorry about that, but whatever. Um, Daniel. Yeah. Um, you called me the other day. I did. It's pretty exciting. Um, so yeah, I'm spinning up a little agency. Daniel, don't just go right to the punchline. Why? Come on. Okay, Daniel started an agency. I'm um, starting. I'm in the me? process. I'm in the process of starting. It started. It's the so I have an EIN. I have a tax there you ID. Go. So I guess technically it started. I still have to mail something to the Department of the Treasury that is me buying my shares. I've never created a C corp before. It's always been an What are you doing, dude? You're actually making like a company? Yeah. Well, I have to. That's crazy. Yeah. I just make the business and then figure that out later, which I've never had to figure out. Well, this needs a a bank account and it needs to be able, I need to be able to sign. Why do you need a bank account? Because people are going to pay me. Well, why can't they just pay you? Well, because there's, 
I want to pay people. Yeah, why can't you just pay them? Well, I'm going to, but this is what I'm saying. It's like I want, I because like I dig it. I dig it. It's it's just I'm funny. not going to be like, the only equity owner of this company. Sure. sure. So yeah, like, there's. I know it's just funny that you're like doing things properly. So I'm just yeah, yeah. not used to like you're like yeah. Well, I didn't start it yet. I have to file the paperwork. Well, I mean, like, I to be fair, I have paid some people. There you go. Just out of my pocket, but great. There you whatever. Go. Agency started. Agency Daniel. started, baby. Daniel calls me. Goes. I want to start an agency. Mm-hmm. Gets off the phone. Calls me back an hour later. Says I started an agency. <laughs> that's true. That is what happened. And that's pretty um, sweet. So here's here's my situation. So I found myself being a freelance software developer out here developing software freelance. Um, and I had a client at three days a week and a client at one day a week who was potentially going to be more days a week. And I had, uh, and then sort of out of the blue came another client who wanted me basically as close to full time as they could get me for several months, right? And that client was like a really interesting project. And like, I didn't want to say no to it, but I also like, like the projects I'm working on. And I think that like, I'm adding a ton of value to these projects, like in particularly me, you know, (laughs) because like, there's like big refactors that happened that I did for reasons. And now those refactors are done. And so we can like, build the code that we refactored this for, you know, and it would just feel bad to like do the refactor that leads up to the big amount of code and then not do the code that we refactored it for, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, anyway, so I want to, I want to take care of my existing client. Uh, I want to, uh, I want to take this interesting new thing that I also called Kalo about, which is potentially the largest Alpine app I've ever seen ever, um, which is crazy. <laughs> um and uh so anyway i was real excited about all this stuff and then i like did the math i was like oh this is like 105 hours a week of work that i'm looking at here um i don't have 105 hours of work in my week so like i gotta figure something out um fortunately i don't know if you're familiar uh with the with the popular internet game pecking order i mean i've heard about it on a podcast yeah (laughs) yeah so i've been developing this game pecking order for the past two years with my friends um and you know how people always say like man i wish i just wish i could clone myself well i did um i have (laughs) these developers who are my closest friends lackeys from college you know like people who i've known for 15 years um there's one thing i've learned about daniel it's daniel's an interesting person not in a good way just so you know no no, definitely a terrible way very bad way yeah (laughs) he's an interesting person and he tends to have friends who are also interesting cool people unlike him the cool yeah unlike me unlike you yeah um but yeah so you, you it seems to be um almost universally like true that your friends are are also cool and smart and interesting so it's, they're all it's cool extra and smart exciting and for me as an onlooker that like daniel's banding together with his cronies because yeah. they're just all really cool people. well and you've met and like some of them yeah yeah mm-hmm. so anyway these super cool uh friends of mine my closest friends i've been teaching to write code for the past two years like at a rate of like they've both been writing code like 20 hours a week for the past two years right yeah. like 
these guys are have been writing a ton of code and I've been code reviewing literally every line of code they've ever written, right? So mm-hmm. they write code exactly how I want people to write code. Nice. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it, and to a fault probably, they don't even know, like the places where I'm like wrong about things, they think they are gospel. Think God, like put it yeah. on the tablet. <laughs> so they, don't have, they don't have like a clear distinction between like, oh, this is a best practice always. And this is just Daniel being Daniel. That's really great. But like, it doesn't matter. Like I have cloned my opinions, Mm -hmm. my uh, workflows, like all of the ways that I do shit. Yeah. um, I've like cloned into these, the way that these dudes write code. Yeah. Which is like amazing. So like when, when it's like, oh man, I have so many hours of work, but like there's not enough of me to go if around. If only I had clones. If only I had cloned myself. And it was like, oh shit, I did. Well, guess what? So, um, talked to the homies. I was like, yo, um, what say we take this show on the road, this little software company we've built to work on this free game? <laughs> what if we made a little bit of money? Um, and so we are doing that. So the last couple, the la- like couple of days this last week, um, Jacob and I have been pairing to, as I'm just like doing my normal client work, um, we've been pairing to kind of get him caught up on like what the project is and what we're working on and what priorities are and like how the code base looks and blah, blah, blah. He's, he's the one of the two of them who is much more like live wire focused, yeah. right? Like he's made so he like all this kid does is make live wire components and make blade components that are alpine components um and you know he's like he's the guy who will just like crank a live wire front end for things you know and um and this project has a ton of live wire and he's gonna be really good at it um and then john who is much more like my architecture guy who i've like loaded up with like event sourcing opinions and all this you other may stuff. You recognize John from Daniel's other previously very successful podcast, much better produced podcast. Actually, you will recognize John from our intro music. Yeah, John made our intro music. He did. Yeah. Yep. But Daniel um, once had a podcast called Fits and Starts. I did. Co-hosted with John, John Rockefeller Drexler. And uh-huh. uh and he's back. So he's back. John's back. Okay, go on. So anyway, um, John still has a job. So John's not like full time. Um, but John is also a product manager for a living and has become a very good programmer over the last two years, which is like if ever there was a killer combination, it's like being like a really organized, meticulous product manager type person who's like good at talking to people and like he does user interviews constantly and like he just you know, yeah, he's a he's killer. Guy. He's a spreadsheet nerd. He's got an air table full of jujitsu maneuvers. You know, it's great. He's just the, he's the dude. So dude. John's excited about it. Um, also has like a jobby job. So, you know, he's not full time, but he's, he's helping with all the sort of like invoicing and client uh stuff and like scheduling stuff out and he's probably going to be writing a little bit of code as well um so anyway it's a good moment over here 
Um, it's a little stressful because I'm in this weird moment where I've told all of the people, I've talked to all of the clients and I've said, this is happening. Yeah. And all of them said, thumbs up, no problem. Nice. And I said, great. And now it's like, okay, now I'm in this interim period where at the same time, I need to get all of my clients to sign new contracts. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like a little bit scared because it's like, okay, what if like, what if your homies, what um, if something falls through and then like, now I've got like this guy who I promised these hours to, who's not going to be able to, you'll have no problem. But I've been so transparent with all of the guys too, that I was like, Hey, we're trying something here. Like there might be some bumps along the, along the road. So like, you know, don't depend, don't depend on this, this second, you know, it's going to work out. And if it doesn't, if something goes wildly haywire, right, there might be a bump or two. But you could find other replacements. Well, for and your that's the thing is they like got their fingers chopped off. Well, and this is the other thing I've noted is that like there have been two times to date where I've come on this podcast and said, hi, I'm looking for work. Yeah. Like I am available for freelancing opportunities. Please contact me with work if you have it. Yeah. And within two weeks of both of those times, I've landed like large, long six-figure contracts. Yeah. Right? Right? And so like I'm not concerned with my ability to keep myself busy. Right? Uh Um, And I'm not really that concerned with my ability to find work to keep these dudes busy. You know? Uh Um, So it's... All signs point to I already have the work to keep these dudes busy. Yeah. If one of the clients falls through or whatever, like I'm more than happy to like pay Jacob in the interim to like work pair with me on the clients I am working on while I like find the next client, you know? Yeah. Cause you know, here's the thing. We've talked about like my ability to have jobs and my inability to have jobs and all of this other stuff, right? But like yeah. The big thing is like, I really like directing the ship. I really like sort of like maneuvering and like making plays. Yeah. Um, but it's also like freelancing is lonely, you yeah. know? And like, I really like pairing. I you really love like people. I, I like people teams. and I like pairing and I like teamwork teams and, and I like stuff. to think about the shapes of teams and like what structures of teams are really good see also our episode called tank healer dps wherein i talked about like three-man web shop and like the shape of three-man web shop wow you remember the title name i literally just uh re-listened to it and then yelled at john drexler on the phone about it for like two hours yesterday (laughs) wow (laughs) where i was like dude this is the thing so anyway go back and listen to that episode yeah 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 three men Um, the dream of the three-man dev shop is actually coming to fruition yeah daniel that's what I'm saying. Three men and a wow. baby, dude. All of our prophecies on this podcast will now have been completed. Yeah, because Alexa Build Me an app's already there. That's already there. That's ChatGPT done. Uh-huh. So that was it. Those were the only two. So Three Web Shop. Yeah, that's, that's the great. other one. Um, that's great, Daniel. So yeah. Anyway, it's uh, oh, so I didn't even say the name of the company is Thunk. I Thunk Thunk dot Dev is our website right now. It's just a logo on the website that's great and that's cool that you got thunk.dev because thunks are actually a thing in like functional programming right and i just don't even know what they are yeah probably they are though did you know that no i didn't here's why it's funny here's why here's why the name's funny here's because i think 
No, I thunk. Yeah, so it, it is. It's like okay. Well, what think, is the think, product? Thunk. The product is like thinking. Like that's what right. they're paying us for. It's like you know, an hour of thinking. Yep. <laughs> um. So like thinking is the product. So having thunk as like the name is funny because it like ties into the product. B. It's like a satisfying sound. You know, it is. it's like thunk. Thunk. Like the only adjective <laughs> I've ever heard to describe the sound thunk was a satisfying thunk. Uh huh. Yeah, no one's yeah. ever said like an obnoxious yeah, right. thunk. It's just inherently satisfying. Yeah, it's like a satisfying thunk. You know? Wow, that's great. So it's like got, it's got like massive brand equity just right off the bat because people like thunks, you know? Yep. I'm Googling right now what is a thunk in programming. Computer science, a thunk is a subroutine used to inject a calculation into another subroutine. So from that one sentence, um, maybe it's like, you're just injecting like a specific algorithm for a function that that function needs. So a thunk sure. is like a callback that it's just like it's like dependency something. injecting function yeah, part of the strategy. Functional of dependency that. injecting. Yeah. yeah. So a thunk, which you could, I mean, there's a whole lot of whole lot of um, analogies there that you could pull from. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when you said thunk, I mean, I was like, this is brilliant. Thunk is developery. Mm-hmm. And it's also like I thunk that it sounds cool. It's a single it's syllable. A sh- single syllable. It's a short word. You got the dot dev. It's like it's dude. not misspellable. True. So here, here were the two other names in close contention. Okay. Um, and I think you've already heard them, but like for the listener, so one was douchey, douchey, and it was <laughs> seismic. Seismic. Right. Seismic is douchey. Oh but yeah, seismic, right, right. I thought seismic, the one was douchey. I was like, that's really out there. But no, okay. no, no, no. Yeah, seismic, seismic is a douchey yeah, seismic name. Seismic is junk, but it had some pun opportunities. So, like, you could say a lot of stuff like, "It's nothing earth shattering. It's nothing groundbreaking. <laughs> We're just here to shake things up." Blah 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 blah. I like so, seismic when I think of seismic waves. Uh-huh. I don't like seismic when I think of it as like there's prismic, or prismatic, or something. Mm-hmm. There's statimic. There's all these like blah 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 mic. Yeah, and I'm like, eh. Not that so I don't love those mix, just that don't. The other big mix. thing is like we want to build an event sourcing library yeah. because we've done so much event sourcing now, and like now we have opinions about how event sourcing libraries should be. So like we want to build an event sourcing library, and like calling it Seismic Events would have been cool. Ah, you know, like yeah. that would have been sick. But sure. anyway, like Seismic slash Events, that would have been that would have been sick. But whatever, opportunity missed. Also, um, we were talking, and we we're like. You know, there's some guys out there who are like not sort of like funny and like their brand can't support like a funny word as their yeah. brand name. Let them have seismic. They can start uh, an agency called seismic. They need right. it more. You know, like yeah. we can do thunk. <laughs> yeah. You thunk is it is perfect in every possible way. The other name, which was kind of like thunk, was lump. Lump is funny, and the only reason I really, really wanted to call it Lump Gosh. was so that I could make a tweet, an announcement tweet, saying like, hey, I'm starting an agency. And th- I had the tweet already written, and it was, I was doing some self-examination, and I found it a lump. That's great, <laughs> Daniel. That's I... That was the only reason I wanted it to be Lump, but it was really funny. I could see the brand, like I could see the logo just being kind of like a blob. Yeah, blob, you know? lump. It, it's interesting. I, when I was younger, mm-hmm. I had a friend. His name was Jeremy, and uh-huh. he had a lump 
mm-hmm. on his chest. So mm-hmm. on his chest, his rib cage like like came out, and it it was literally a lump. It's one of those things that like you're bird chested something, but it was like a straight up lump. Huh. And we we like just saw him without a shirt one day, and we had already been friends for like a minute. Mm-hmm. And you're like and lump. We're like, Jeremy, you have a lump, and he's like, yeah, you know. And we're so from that day forward, like the lump became. Do you remember? The lump is like a character. The lump, the lump was a character in the friend group. It's yeah. like, like, uh, like we would like rub you would the consult lump. lump. We, we had a bunch of stupid things like, like it would like eject mayonnaise if you like rubbed it, like what? gently, like stupid stuff, like really <laughs> dumb, like, like does your lump like like ooze mayonnaise? And we, we had like all this stuff. Like the lump was like controlling his brain, sure, and, like telling him to do things. Uh-huh. Um, but like so many things about the lump. So the lump was a main character. It was like the lump, the lump mm-hmm. made you do that. Um. So that's what I think about, and I could. So that is the only reason I have some love for lump. Otherwise, I think I would be having less love for lump. Yeah, lump is like inherently a gross word, unlike yeah. thunk, which is inherently satisfying. No one yeah. likes a lump. No one. But likes like, a lump. I thought there was some fun opportunity to like make it cute. Yeah, and be that, like right because people there is something about people that they want to like things that are a little bit gross. Yeah. And I think and there's so, a like, lot of agency. If you did some like really like... good illustration, like if I paid a really good illustrator to do some lumps. Yeah. Like I could see like making a really cute a little lump family that people, of lumps. people liked to like the lump, you know? Yeah. So I anyway. Lump. No, Thunk I, is I brilliant. Lump. It's perfect. But yeah, Thunk. And... Thunk is where it's at, dude. Yeah. And it's kind of like the middle ground between the two where it's like, okay, it's a little bit like funny, but it's also not like too weird that like a yeah. company's not gonna want to pay us. Well, and it's crazy that you didn't know that a Thunk is like an actual programming concept that that functional programming like like, um yeah it's not unusual that somebody would know about it so i think a lot of people who see thunk will be like oh yeah cool like that and then people who don't know that are just like oh yeah cool yeah thunk Thunk thunk.dev baby it just works for everything thunk.dev yeah five letter five letter domain one syllable like i just got you another view there buddy another page view yeah, and oh, and it's our logo is kind of like comic book sound effect thunk. Yeah, which thunk. Is, yeah, it's cool. Um, thunk is great. I'm really happy for you. The, this is the future, Daniel. You get I'm this. Enjoying it. You get this nailed down. You get your your cronies. You know, all everybody's all buttoned up. Everybody's mm-hmm. doing the stuff well. You got the little groove. The three man dev shop. And, you know, okay, maybe you die a three man dev shop. I'm but, so happy to die a three man dev shop, and that's fine. But all I want is to all I want is to hang out with my best friends and write code. Yeah. And like write good code so and great. make a make an event sourcing library and like, you know. You're such a good life, Daniel. It'd be so I mean, it's not it would be, it will be. It is it is about to be. Like so fun. I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. We still need to do the thing where I like make your agency the the like official live wire dude i know well, agency, this is i was and then i, I was make a bunch of money off you and yeah, you make yeah. a bunch of money I'm, off listen, me i'm happy for us to all make a bunch of money yeah you, i yeah. was telling john about that i was like you know there was a moment where like caleb and i almost started an agency yeah and like then caleb was like wait i have to like make open source packages for a living like what? <laughs> i don't know yeah. how this is gonna work um but there was a world where it was like dude what if there was like a first party live wire agency i know that was what was happening i remember but that. then like What's kind of happened is like people who have hard live wire and alpine problems do tend to hit me up. Yeah. Um because they listen to the show. 
yeah. and they know they know that you don't do contract work. And yep. so like I get I get emails from people who are hey, like, folks hey, who hit Daniel up, you flat footed, <laughs> flat uh nose folks, you need to sign up for the LiveWire support program. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys need to be signing up for the LiveWire support. Don't call program. Daniel. Daniel doesn't need your money. He's just gonna tell you he's too busy. Yeah. You call Jason Beggs because yeah, I don't do contract work. <laughs> you call Jason Beggs, you go sign me up for the support program. Um but yeah, I, I, yeah. So yep. if, if you're going to hire Daniel for anything, stop and think to yourself, should I just be part of the support program and not pay Daniel so that um, it's worth Daniel considering. has to work It's worth for considering. It? No, I just joke. Pay Daniel. Daniel's a good boy. Do both. You Do got both. money. You have so much money. If you're using Livewire, it's what are you spending the rest of your time on that you used to be developing apps? Yeah. You know, we're out here. We're talking to investment banking companies. We're talking to energy companies. We're talking to large e-commerce providers. We're talking to, you know, these people, they got some money. They can afford the LiveWire support program. That's right. Sign up for the damn program. Yeah. We actually made it really cheap and now it's like too cheap. So get in on the cheapness before we make it uncheap. These deals are crazy. Um, Just got to put in some scarcity, you know, tactic Um, in there. So you know who Daniel Negreanu is? No. Oh, you must. He was like, he was like the big poker guy in the era of poker when we were like the end of high school, no. right? So like two two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay. Sorry, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. He was like winning the World Series of Poker constantly. He was okay. like the big cheese. Okay. Um, recently, the game of poker has changed a lot. Um, it's all these like online nerds winning yeah. everything but he is really making an effort as like a 45 year old man he's making like a sincere effort to like keep up with these 20 year old nerds yes yeah. nice. right and so he's like learning all of this new strategy and he's using the mm. he's using these like solver programs that do like gto optimized solving and like because he's from an era where it was much more like play the player not the cards yeah and now it's much more algorithm with a whiskey glass in his hand you know now it's very like algorithm based okay like stuff like that but he's keeping up like and uh he has this little vlog that he does um anyway one of his like bits is like every once in a while he'll like say something he'll be like he'll like pretend that his wife is yelling at him for giving away his secrets Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then he'll be like oh i'm sorry i'm not gonna tell him the other thing (laughs) you know anyway wait give me the bit again he'll he'll be like telling he'll be like breaking down a hand he played or whatever you know and be like well and like in this situation like you never want to play king jack like this you know and they're like oh dude i'm sorry i shouldn't have told him that i won't tell him the other thing you know like he'll pretend like his wife is yelling at him for giving away his secrets okay I feel like that's the bit that you should have done about the fact that like the support program is underpriced right now. You know, oh, right. like, yes, like, totally. Oh, I'm not supposed to tell you that it's too cheap right now. You should actually right. wait before you sign up. Like, anyway. yeah, whatever. Exactly. You got opportunities. Oh, Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Caleb. I got to tell you something that actually matters for you now too. Oh, no way. Yes. Uh, did you see that thing? Uh, Ian Landsman posted about it. Section I looked it up. It's confirmed. It's an actual thing. And I am definitely going to Screwed. be able to deduct like 90000 less dollars this year. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm going to be paying like tens of thousands of dollars and more taxes this year. And I'm just a little Peabody guy, like actual companies who have like real so people are going to be spending a bunch of money. Actually in the freelancer chat that I'm in yeah, with Jason and a bunch of other people. Um, oh, Jason Beggs? Jason's in there. I'm familiar. Um, we've been talking about it a little bit. And some people have talked to their accountants and their accountants think it doesn't apply to them. Um, even though they do have subcontractors, um, Hmm. their accountants reasoning is basically like it applies to your clients and your clients can't deduct the money they're paying you, Hmm. but you aren't interested. You don't like meet the criteria, like as a provider, like you're not the end recipient of the software development work. Right. So I don't know. So So that's like out of it, but I I feel like I'm into it because well, I need to figure out. Like, I need to figure out whether or not yeah. I can like deduct. Just see what Titan's going to do, and then whatever uh-huh. Titan's doing. Then yeah, whatever might... Titan does, I'll do. Yeah, let them pay the big costs for the smart people, and then just ride their. You know, especially now that you're an agency and are coming for their throats. Yeah, presumably. you know, you know how I'm. <laughs> I'm out here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take all those big Fortune 500 clients from Titan. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, but this is not so. Isn't it crazy? It's it totally is crazy. crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't I understand told... why. Like the, the why best... is not there for me. I understand uh, similarly. This is the best I can come up with. This is a so it was for the Republican um the, you know, Trump's tax cuts and job loss act his big thing in 2017 and there were a bunch of tax cuts. That's when he like simplified the tax code a little bit and increased the standard deduction stuff like that. Um, was like a Republican-y thing to do, like mm-hmm. um, less taxes. That's a Republican-y thing. Um, but for anything to get you know passed, you throw a bone to the to the other side or whatever to get something through. And so one of the bones was this and this research and development one seven four thing. Um, mm-hmm. But the premise for anybody who doesn't know, because a lot of people don't know, this is the the deal. Is well, I guess I'm explaining it. So tax cuts and jobless whatever goes into effect but in that that bill or whatever you call it i don't know politics there's a bit that's like starting december 31st 2021 all research and development expenses ha- have to be amortized over five years, five years like five or six years whatever so basically if Which i'm is like the same a, that like with like computers yeah and like if some you buy like things. a big mainframe you know you're even if you buy a laptop, a laptop. Supposed to yeah. i never do i've never done that I know. Um, it's like the one I'm like pretty to a T on the tax thing, but I had a tax dude once and he was like, no, no, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, really? Yeah. Okay. So like, like in theory, it, in theory, you're supposed to depreciate a laptop over like five years. Yeah. Right. So the reason. Or like you buy a car or something. Yeah. Yeah. It helps the government because it's not a fat deduction right away. They, it's like they have more money for now. And it's you predictable. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So. This is sort of like it's a democratic thing to want something like this to be amortized because like a big company that, you know, pays a million dollars or whatever, just does some huge expenditure to launch some very profitable thing. They get to deduct, you know, this massive amount and they and so whatever, if they have to amortize it, the government gets a lot more money right now. I still don't totally get why a government would really want to do this, but it does make sense. They get they get more money. They get steadier cash flow. They get steadier cash flow. Exactly. Steadier cash flow. 
and for it evens out spikes. Um, and at least right now, like for the first year that it gets passed, there's going to be a lot more just tax money, you know, that right. they're going to have. So it's almost like a cash influx for the government. So that's from the best I understand is it's like it was part of a Republican bill. It was a Democratic thing that got pushed in to, you know, get it to pass. They Everybody thought it would go away, like 100% apparently of like tax people, CPAs thought that this was just going to be eliminated. So they didn't prepare for it in all of 2022. And now everybody's like still a lot of people are like, yeah, I still think it's going to get repealed. But April 20, April 15th is coming up pretty soon. And yeah probably going to have to do this and then undo it next year or whatever. I wonder how many people are going to end up underwater on this. You know? I like, know. How many you... people running tight margins like just don't have enough like cash sitting around? Like especially like seriously. If you're like even like a company the size of Titan, right? Like yeah, that's a heavy hit. Well, especially like okay, say you're an agency, say you make a 30% margin, which is like a good margin, right? Yeah. If you make a 30% margin on top of salaries. Yeah. Right? But now you can only deduct 25% of your salaries. Yeah. that You're underwater. You have to pay more in taxes than you made in profit. Yeah. So like you actually like aren't making a living <laughs> like until five years from now. So like you're actually going to make negative money for the next five years if you're a Titan. Like is that what? That doesn't seem possible. Yep. I know. It's pretty wild. I mean, presumably, like after five years time, all those five years will, you know, it's like you'll, you'll, yeah, be you'll start getting it started. Back. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's basically for the next five, five years, years of... you have to lend the government money. Yeah. Yeah. Which so. is wild. I mean, just like, let's break it down to a super simple example, right? Say I make, say I pay uh, a developer $100,000 in a year. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Say I make hundred and fifty thousand dollars on that developer right um as a business owner or whatever right so my yeah. profits are fifty thousand dollars yeah. right so then it comes tax time right yeah i need to pay my taxes on the profits so uh-huh. let's say that's 30 percent, right sure um so whatever that is right so that man Let's say, I make say 10 grand. Say I make 160 grand on the developer. <laughs> so I have to pay 33%. And so I'm yeah. left with $40,000, right? That's just on the corporate income tax, right? Yeah. So then I also, um, so then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to deduct, or so I would have to pay, pay it on 160 grand normally, because that's like what I earned. Um, but now I normally would like deduct a hundred thousand of it because I'm paying that out in salaries. Yep. But instead, I'm now going to only be able to deduct twenty five thousand of it, which means I'm going to pay taxes on a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty five thousand dollars, right? And it's even so, worse than that. Actually, you're only going to be able to deduct sixteen grand because it's ten percent, or yeah, yeah, it's ten percent for the first year. Oh, great. Then yeah, yeah. 20, 20, 20, 20, then 10. Okay, so it's 16 grand. So what what does that leave me with? That leaves me with 144. Sure. Which Don't means know. I need to pay $47,000. Yeah, 47,500. Yeah. K in taxes. Yeah. Um before like any like employment tax and any of that other stuff, right? I um, don't know about that. But Essentially, that's all like, part of it, but yeah. 
essentially I'm paying uh, 47k on 60k of profit. Yep. Yeah, it's totally. Which means I'm making thirteen thousand dollars when I plan to be making sixty thousand dollars. Right. Like, what are the chances? It's like sink sink your ship level thing going on here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just happen to have like I happen to not pay too much money in developer work, and I happen to have cash reserves, Mm -hmm. so like I'm not that stressed about it. But if I was running a na- a business like an agency that is more, you know, that's why I wonder. I do wonder if agencies would be exempt because it would literally. Do you think sink this is the like reason for? Do you think how much do you think this contributed to the tech layoffs? That's crazy. They would know. They would know for sure. They would know. How much do you think this is the reason that? Well, a lot of those so didn't many hit until twenty twenty three, but maybe they maybe like twenty twenty two year ended like, well, or something. Well, just in case, like let's fire some yeah, people like, right now. We, we don't have to pay out these bonuses. Yeah, dude, I w- I wouldn't be surprised if that had something to do with it because they got to know, like you yeah. know, this affects them more than more than anybody. Wow, yeah, totally crazy. I do wonder if that had something to do with it. That's a good good little conspiracy here, Daniel. Hmm. It's crazy though, right? It is crazy. Um, complete craziness, Daniel. Uh, and Daniel, with that, yeah. How do you feel? Uh, I feel good. I feel like I need to talk to my accountant right now. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. that now that we're like talking about this in context of me, I'm like, I had already thought like, hmm, yeah, you got to figure this schmuck out. I think right it now. probably doesn't apply to me. It can't because I'm not doing research and development. I'm. Yeah, services. you're not selling like, the... I'm a staffer. Yes. Like, basically what I do is staffing. Yeah. I don't do research and development. You do research and development with the people I staff you with. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? Yep. It's true. You're probably exempt from it. And I'm probably not. So there's that. Um, but you know what? I don't know. I, have to, I think I have to talk to an accountant for the first time in my life because the people like... If I pay Josh Hanley for LiveWire core work, he's producing open source software that I do not sell. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. So it's not like you're doing R&D to yeah. create it's a product. It's not for software for sale. Yeah. Um, if it's I all very am, confusing. It's... Dude, it's pretty interesting. I got to freaking talk to some people, dude. It, hey, this is a, re- a genuine request to the listener. I feel totally user. helpless when it comes to accounting, finding finding an accountant. I do all my accounting myself. I geek out on taxes and that's gotten me pretty far. And I've talked to, this is the part where I'm going to sound like a douche. The accountants I've talked to, I feel like I know more than them. Uh, dude, we've we've done this seg- segment of the podcast before, but it was just my accountant that I hated. Okay. But now it's you. <laughs> it's just one of those situations where I feel like feel like anybody i'm going to talk to in my hometown for sure is going to be like a you know just not on the wave like i want the people who are listening to all like the top tax podcasts and really just geeking out on it and up on everything and not these people just spewing the same like archaic garbage and don't know anything about software basically yeah, yeah. so please if you're a person listening to this podcast and you're like oh i got the perfect guy and you can work with him remotely whatever or here's, gal here's the please thing let me know here's the thing and like i hate to i hate Tweet to once me. again lay something on aaron francis's doorstep okay but but aaron almost. 
listen, you went and you took a big fancy job as a planet scale educator, and now you're out here educating the masses about database. Yeah. And giving out hats willy nilly. Yeah. Right. His two most important. But like, here's the thing about you, Aaron Francis, is that you are our type oh, of yeah, dude. You're a freaking dude. You're, you're our type of dude. dude. It's like literally a CPA. I'm not asking you, Aaron, to do my taxes. What I'm asking well, I'm you to do, you that. also please do my taxes. <laughs> no, Aaron, I'm not asking you to do my taxes. I'm asking you to start a business, hire some accountants, and make my interface with them good. Yeah, that's what I want to. You please don't have do to do the business. You don't have to do the accounting. Oh my gosh, Aaron Francis. Aaron, just Quit start Planet a firm. Scale now. Start a firm in your spare time. Yes. That is a literally like a an agency like an agency model for accounting for specifically all of us and our friends and your friends. And you will make $2 million in the first year. Guaranteed. Get it together, Aaron Francis. It's a guarantee. It's a guaranteed thing. The problem is I don't want to spend that much money. Like how much do you want to spend on an accountant? You know, I would pay Aaron Francis's mythical accountant $3,000. I'll pay him a grand. I would pay three. Okay, you got four grand there. <laughs> well, I've also got a, I've also got a C corp, and I need to distribute some equity. So, like, that's true. You know, I have nothing, and I just make money, and I need you to answer this one question for me. But, dude, and if you could get like a lawyer, like a Delaware lawyer, yeah, please just do all this stuff. If you could for get me. a Delaware lawyer and like two accountants together, and like I could pay you guys, I would pay you guys. Man, like, oh man. Can we do that, please, Aaron Francis? Aaron, come on. I'll listen, please. I'll co-found with you. I'm really good at founding companies. I just did one last week. I'll do another one this week. I'll only take 65% equity, and yeah. you get to have some of the other equity, and then you go hire two accountants and then manage them and do everything else. And uh, That's the way the cookie crumbles. All right. You heard it, Aaron. You heard it here. You heard it here. By the way, I just got a text message while I was giving that spiel from John Drexler uh, to our pecking order group thread. And I just love the way he talks and I thought it was funny. The The first sentence of the text message is, all right, folks, I think we need to start thinking about what a pencils down V1 looks like. <laughs> that is a nice way to say. Isn't that a funny way to say, to say like, hey, when are we going to finish? That this? is it's fantastic. A pencils down V1. I think we V1. need to start thinking about what a pencils down V1 looks wow. like. Wow. That's a good word. I like that. Yeah, this pencils is what, down. This is what adjective. This is what these like client facing people are all about. Yeah. They you know, that stuff. you and I are never going to come up with pencils down. Right. I'm down. never going to th- hear but that. John's got pencils down just like in the bag. He doesn't even think about it. Yeah. That's, that's why he's going to be such a great asset to thunk. He is. He has a great asset. Mm-hmm. Um, great news, Daniel. I think this is a fantastic episode. Yeah, I think so too. I think, I think the last episode a... was horse shit halfway, and then it became awesome. Yeah, there was a weird little dead zone of twenty five minutes in the middle. Yeah, you just... listened to it? No, but I remember. I was there. Wow, I, dude, you remember the time? That's crazy. I don't. Um, yeah, I, last I, episode was horse shit. No, it sorry wasn't. for wasting. It, it was your good time. at the beginning and it was good at the end, and there was a little weird part in the middle. Yeah, there was a weird part in the middle. We're sorry about that. But this one, this one, you're gonna want to tune in. Uh-huh. Okay. Also, so, second pitch. I pitched it last week. I'm pitching it again. Go watch the event sorcery Sean McCool shit on YouTube. If you haven't, like you're missing so much. You'd be so much smarter if you watched it. You heard the man. 
I want to give Sean McCool money. I got to figure out how to do that. Patreon. Does he have one? I don't know. YouTube <laughs> people do Patreon. Okay, Daniel, with that, I would like to say Q. to cue the, the outro. Out, wait, the music and. <gasps> <laughs> 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 <laughs>